Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and eventually YouTube show where I use my 30 years of experience as a craftsperson and an entrepreneur to answer any questions. And today, special guest, uh, we, we Matt Turk. We are in the, ser- in the in the span of the year, we've gone through Mastering the Basics series. So in January, February, and March, I take every year to go through the basic nuts and bolts of how to run a professional business. We talk about standard operating procedures and job costing and, uh, you know, employee manuals and things like that. And now we get to the fun stuff where we actually have interviews and bring people on. Cause I have been <laughs> these, the mastering the basic stuff is one thing where everybody is really, really understanding. Cause I go for an hour and 45 minutes sometime of just like oh, sure. fire and brimstone oh, yeah. talking. We got Excel sheets up and we're doing this. <laughs> now it gets a little more lighthearted where we bring personalities in and do this. So Matt Turk is one of the best realtors in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, he sold my historic home. And so I have in-depth knowledge of how Matt operates and how he thinks about houses. <laughs> for better, for worse. For better, for worse. And he is, uh, he is an awesome operator in that space. So um, one of the things that we are going to do today is we're going to squeeze you for information. The painting industry, we look at realtors as the holy grail. All they do is talk to clients. And when houses sell, they need things done. If we could only get our claws into realtors, they will feed us immense amounts of work. Whole house repaints, vacant houses, things like that. So we are going to plumb the depths of that. We're going to get Matt's advice for painting contractors in order to work better with them. And uh, we're also going to just, you know, generally ask how painting contractors can be better servants of the realtors and the realtor industry like that. Um, Instagram, thank you for everybody for watching. Get all your questions there. TikTok, you as well, you crazy bunch following on TikTok now. Uh, and then Facebook, of course, you guys know what to do. If you have any questions for an insanely professional, insanely thoughtful realtor, uh, put them in the comments and we will get to them. So, but first, uh, you were awesome enough to have me on the Bourbon Bomb yes. show. What is thank the Bourbon Bomb? <laughs> so what is the Bourbon So the Bourbon Bomb started uh, with my production crew. Um, we have a, a crew at our company and they said, Matt, we want you to come up with a video series about something that you are passionate so, about. So, Realty Company yep. came to you and said, we want you to make videos, yep. but something you're passionate about. And you said, alcohol. <laughs> I said, bourbon. bourbon. I said, bourbon. <laughs> and, and I was very quick to come up with the bourbon bomb. So, so the, the bomb part is kind of a, a Turk family joke. Um, if you watch any sort of sporting event with the Turks, oh, he's a bum, is going to be stated in the first four seconds of watching any sort of uh, event in the Turk family. So... I wanted people, I wanted to convey that while um, I do enjoy bourbon, and I do, I am not a, um, I'm not a professional tester. So bourbon, love bourbon, but I am still a bum. I still drink, you know, I, I, I don't discriminate. Yeah, uh, my I palate know. is open to all flavors. So. so you are, you have an open mind about a lot of that stuff. Yes. And, and my impression of, uh, so when you had me on the show, uh, we were lucky enough, the owner of the business of the little speakeasy we yep. were in brought her yeah. The director of experience, the cocktail manager, yes. the, the guy who creates the entire idea yeah. of that. And they were walking us through Japanese stuff and some other stuff. And what I liked is there is no pretension with you with that stuff. Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Because if you see any of the bourbon people, whenever anybody, bourbon's hot right now. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And it has been. Yep. So when you talk, when you see people in that space talk about bourbon, they have their whole rooms full of these bottles that they're never going to open. Yeah. And they absolutely look down upon people who do anything <laughs> under 100 bucks is, right. is garbage and you're pleasing right. yourself. Maker's you Mark know? and that's swill. It's, it's just like... <laughs> And so you will appreciate this. Uh, I will. I will. Mit, I will mess up the name. I think I told you about this. Um, one of one of my idols, Jason the painter from Minneapolis, used to be a music producer for Prince turned house painter. Oh my gosh! He gifted me a bottle of bourbon at my Christmas party, and it is it's something with a metal band on it. Sure. You, you, you might. Yep. I, I don't know, but it's like it is. It's got the cork. It's got the metal band on it. And I was like, hey, this is great. I just tasted it. It's fine. And then I proceeded to make a bunch of brown derbies with it, which is just grapefruit juice and simple syrup and that. And yeah. uh, somebody found out about this because I'm a loudmouth on social media and people were throwing up into trash cans. They were just <laughs> clutching their pearls. Like, you use that. And again, I wish I remember the name of the bottle, but how dare you mix that with right. anything? And I'm just like, it was a great experience for me, you know? And I enjoyed it. I know, it's like, it was a world-class drink. And uh, I don't know, but uh, oh, I, I like that you have a good humor about because you're not one of those guys like, well, we can't talk anymore because right. you, you made a thing like that. So, oh man, it was, it was great. So I, uh, so the bottle that I think that you got was likely Basil Hayden's, which yes, is that's on, yep, that's on my Mount Rushmore of bourbons. Um, but I did a, so, um, funny anecdotal story. So, uh, my production crew says, Hey Matt, something's coming up in March. We want to do something special. I said, well, we have March Madness coming up. Let's try that. So um, I said, why don't we do just a filming once a week, spread it out over a period of time, and we'll just kind of pit bourbons against each other. And it's my palate. You know, yeah. I always have to disclaimer, it's my yeah. palate. Uh, and uh, we're just going to have fun. We'll just spread it out. And we'll have this kind of competition thing. So they come back to me a week later. I said, okay, Matt, we love your idea. We want to we launch it. I said, great. They said, here's the catch. Um, we got to film it in a day. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, Which day? yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I am, uh, I'm 37 uh, years young. I got yeah. some planning to do. You have a family. And, exactly. Exactly. And I like got to do work on Saturday. So, uh, it was an interesting day, uh, but truthfully by the end, you know, I kind of, again, I'm not big on smelling notes of, you know, uh, caramel and honey and oak and all that, but I try to kind of give folks from a, you know, a, an amateur's perspective. But yeah, exactly. A bum's perspective on the, you know, the, the notes of a, of a bourbon. And by the end, I could not smell anything. I was just smelling. I just look at the crew like, it smells like bourbon at this point. You're just I, smelling. I completely, my, my olfactory senses were completely flooded. It was, there was, yeah. yeah it was hilarious. Okay, so obviously if we're talking about that, I, I want to talk about how nice company you is uh you work for is to come to you and passion project but number one if we're talking about that give us a recommendation give us something that maybe we wouldn't think about something that's readily available that you're like oh hidden gem just something for oh. the painters because painters have a proclivity for drinking anyway so. oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely um if anybody has spent more than a minute in bourbon uh maker's mark is great but basil hayden's uh, eagle rare these are things that are kind of nice and easy mainstream um you know affordable it's it's these are the, these are the ones that are affordable, but they're hard to find because everybody else wants them. So oh, kind of in that, man. that's kind of that sweet spot of like, you know, forty to fifty dollars where you can mix it, and not feel guilty, right? <laughs> you can enjoy it on the ice and not have to like, you know, hate your yeah. life. So it's kind of a, it hits that sweet spot, and so that's kind of typically what I recommend is kind of that 
40 to $50 kind of sweet spot. And I prefer something with a lower alcohol content. I know that you bourbon folks are going to be mad at me for saying that, but I really actually prefer something with a lesser bourbon, um, alcohol content. So people are out there preferring jet fuel. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, well, and the idea, and I had no idea, the reason being is that you can put it in ice, the ice melts and kind of dilutes it. Um, oh, okay. And that's why, that's why high alcohol content is so preferred amongst, you know, the, the snooty people is because it actually keeps its bite. So, all right. That's I interesting. Know. All I right. Uh, I, uh, I am, I, I, I love that world. I'm a, uh, a person who just like, traffics amateurly through it. Right. I, my, my sense of alcohols are sort of like, I'm an old army Jeep. Yeah. I, I am, I am a multi-fuel vehicle where you can dump uh, a, a beer that was open yesterday into me and I will run. You can give me a bourbon with a metal band. You can give me an unmarked bottle of bourbon and, and I'll sniff it. I'll do one of these. It's like, yeah, smells like booze. Yeah, absolutely smells like booze. There's booze in there. I can tell. And, that I, is... and, I, and I bet I know what it's going to do to me. Yeah. So, I, am, I, I just don't have any of that stuff. Like even when uh, people talk about wines and stuff too. And, yeah. and I get around professionals and I'm like, oh, this is a Malbec. I'm like, it tastes good and it sure doesn't enough. work. Yeah. And it's like, I trust you. I, tr I am absolutely it's definitely okay. dark, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to the old high school days where you know we used to get uh the gallon jug with the, the bag with the ring <laughs> the uh, yeah, exactly and it's like well, yeah whether it comes in a bladder or where it comes in a glass jug with a with a ring on it or on the top of a screw yeah, top hey. it's like, it's like i don't know i wish i had at some point i wish i had a more refined palette but i'm also glad i don't because yeah. it's just like i have no yeah well and, and you're taking that headspace like again why I, how i know so much about bourbon i wish i could have you know much more extensive knowledge on something yeah. else but Again, you've got a now with all that space, you've got a great space for building a business and you know retaining a, a exactly. training employees. And so you know, I guess. So uh, what I I was marvelled at uh, your company you work with, Remax, right? Yeah. So they came to you and said you need to do videos, and uh, I would assume if I was the business owner, I'd be like, she's really doing real estate based to add some value <laughs> to this company. But they were they were smart enough to come to you and say, let's explore a passion, and you did that. So I think that is a very novel idea. I think that's a great thing, and uh, yeah, what better way to get the word out too? You're kind of ancillarily doing it through yeah somebody's passions. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. And, and, and and truthfully, again, if I'm speaking honestly, um, I had in the first two weeks, I had to explain to folks that. Um, I am very much still a realtor uh, and I do sell houses still uh, because, yeah. and that is a testament to the production group. They uh, were incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were like, Hey, why'd you change your profession? I'd be like, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. is a side project, but, but it was, it was a great way to engage the sphere and the, the folks that engaged with it, enjoyed it and they still enjoy it. And it's, it's fun. So it. very well done. And, and we'll, we'll bring this circle full round. Yeah, which yeah. Is that place was so impressive that, uh, I called them uh, probably a week or two after we were um, that we were there in the speakeasy, oh, right? Yeah. And so it's Tequila and Butcher is the restaurant, yep. and it's Sock Dollager, right? Yes. Which is that, and they got the crazy Victorian wingback chairs yep. and the, everything there. And I was so impressed with the space. I called them and I said, "Well, we're going to have like twelve people on my leadership team and their spouses." We want a special night out together. And that is actually tonight. And they reserve the fireplace room right oh, off the yeah. side of there. Yes. So we're taking a party bus down there with the entire leadership team oh. there. I was so impressed with the space. So thanks for introducing me to it. So, oh, my yeah. God. That was such a cool day. And again, you kind of alluded to it earlier. It was really cool. When we stopped filming, we just kind of took a side date. They kind of said, hey, come on over. Do you want to try this and try that? And like we had a whole nother experience that yeah. wasn't even caught on camera that I thought was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was completely unplanned. It just, yeah. it just happens that the owner of multiple restaurants and their experience coordinator, the person who yeah. is a very high level knows all, he could tell us the names of people who brew 
Japanese whiskey, right? <laughs> right. Like, like, yeah, literally the name of the guy who is like the godfather of Japanese yeah. whiskey. And we're like, sure, yeah. And meanwhile, like, I, I tried to hold back too because they're pouring us all this stuff. And meanwhile, he's like, listen, in Japan, they have a special kind of wood. That I'm, meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Thumbs up for me. You'll notice the notes of, you know, cherry yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. blossom. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Totally yeah. caught that on and the tail end. It's like I'm holding, I'm like trying to shield the glass because I had already <laughs> slugged it back, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, I can totally get the cherry blossom. It's like, <laughs> but that is, but again, what an experience. You feel, you feel like a celebrity when somebody's like telling you about it. And even though I have, no interest in the intricacies of alcohol. Yep. It made it a really special moment, which is like, I get it. Like that yeah. is a cool thing. Instead of just a, a bottle full of brown stuff that you drink, you're like, yeah, oh, that's booze. It's like, here's a history, here's a story, and here's the humans, and here's the stuff. And like you actually had an experience. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of more and more what people want. And that's why I was attracted to the place in the first place. I sat down and I said, I want to try a several different types of bourbon. And again, there was Willet that we tried. There oh, was yeah. Millet finish. I mean, all these different finishes and all these different ways that people are crafting bourbon. It was just an experience. And I think that's people kind of want. They can go anywhere to sit down and have a glass of something. You just got a tour of my facility. And yes. all we talked about was experience, right? Yep. Of training people here, of a, of a high production workplace, of a professional workplace. Yep. And you and I, my experience from, from interacting professionally with you and knowing you personally is that I think we both kind of think about that experience, which is uh, I grew up in my father's version of the trades where you could be an old, miserable curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. And as long as you did a good job, it's like, well, that's just old Joe. He's a he's a big jerk. <laughs> Always been. <laughs> but dang it, he's so good. And it's like, he gets grumpy. You don't want to talk to him. And nowadays, it's like, that is something where we used to think, well, that's that's the stuff that happens in small towns. That's just the weird people yep. you come across, you know? Yep. And now that is not okay. Right. Like if, if you can't be a grumpy realtor, but sell a house well, you yep. can't be a grumpy painter, paint well, and then still get business. Like people now demand the experience as much as they do the actual product. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I think in, it might even be, well, your world is way more professionalized than my world. And I, I believe that you guys have been onto that for much longer. So when you think about your client experience, what, what is important to you with that? Well, I mean, it, the first thing that comes to mind is expectations, right? In, my, <laughs> in both of our careers, I think if we can set expectations properly at the word go, yeah. um, I think it really just sets the table for everything else. That is insanely wise. Um, anybody who's been operating as a professional and a business owner for long enough understands that well, we want a good experience, but that experience is an ethereal, subjective thing. And <laughs> right. if if you're going to interact with hundreds of homeowners and we're going to do six or 700 jobs, if we don't set expectations, that expectation is going to be set six to 700 different ways. Oh. So what you say is insanely wise, which is a simple promise yep. that you can carry out. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And and the promise that, you know, again, in, in my industry, it's again, it's maybe a little different in yours, but in my industry, it's it's ever evolving. It's ever moving. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes there's things that, that shift and move that's outside of our control. And it's knowing that I'm going to be there. And that kind of leads into the second, which is communication, right? If you oh, set expectations geez. and follow up with communication, you know, there's so much of, there's so many problems and itches that we can scratch by yeah. just those two things. I mean, I would say, you know, I don't know the statistics, but I would say three fourths of issues, problems, customer service problems can be solved by doing those first two things. If you execute within a 98%, you know, probability. I mean, it just, there's so much you can eliminate. That's it. So much better you can service your, your customers. We literally have on, you know, we send out 40,000 flyers a month 
And on those flyers, we, we, on the back of it, it says a simple promise, right? And yeah. one of them is high velocity professional communication. Cause it's, it's one of those things where sadly we offer that as a value proposition because in our industry, that is not a common thing. Yes. Like that, you know, yes. People don't have websites. People don't have emails and you call a number, you go to voicemail and who knows if they ever got it. Yep. So, no. Absolutely. And that's one of the most frustrating things. You know, again, you were talking about um, our overlap and that's mm -hmm. one of the most frustrating things that as an agent I can do is to refer someone and not have them pick up their phone. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Yeah. And listen, absolutely. You can say, oh, my God, we got Jim. He's the best painter ever. Well, he's got no website. He's got no social media thing. I got a number. And when you call that number, it says, please leave a message. And it doesn't say Jim's painting or anything yeah. else. You're like, well, that was unsatisfying. I don't know what to do with that thing here. <laughs> Just put something out in the universe and hopefully it comes back. For the last 40 years, that's been fine because everybody operated like that. The problem is there's some young hotshot paint business, so paint businesses and, and realtors that are entrepreneurs that understand about the experience and they're going to lay to waste people who don't are, aren't easy to find and put friction points in that communication process. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it really, honestly, I mean, not to fluff our feathers, but those that are, you know, all I have to do is do some of those things at an okay, even at an okay level. And I look so much better with my industry because I've be just perfect. done them. Yeah. You just have to do a certain well, listen, you can see I got my, I got my <laughs> motto for the years. Don't, you don't have to be extreme, just consistent. Yeah. And sadly, that's not, we don't have to be the best in communication. Yeah. But if we communicate consistently all year round, 140,000 bits of communication, we'll do way better than people who have some crazy automated system that nobody's monitoring. So my mantra in the first two years of real estate was I, I'm not going to get out communicated. There's going to be agents. Yeah. There's going to be that. agents. There's going to be agents that are, have much, a much better knowledge. There's going to be professionals that have a much better grasp of the industry, blah, 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 but no one's going to out communicate me. Okay. So this is interesting. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, you can obviously not answer any of these if you want, right, but go ahead. Um, how from the outside, I would assume that, it's very hard to find differences in realtors outside of personalities. And it's very hard to get to know them. So once in a while, we see a big billboard that says four and a half percent full service. And then we see 5% full service. And that's the only value proposition. Yeah. And so how, from somebody who's not in the realty industry, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself with all these people? Because it looks to me like it's all just a bunch of who do you know closest to you? Right. Yeah. And and how can I slash my cost? And, yeah. and again, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on a limb here and make an assumption that uh, again, based, based on what I've seen, based on the investment you've made with your employees and your training, I'm going to make an assumption that you are also not a low cost provider in your industry. Probably not the lowest. And, and I, and I kind of tell my clients the same thing. Um, there's a reason why you, there's just certain things you just pay more for. Right. Um, if I can't, I very wise uh, training that I received one time. And number one, it's to lay the boundaries. I'm, I'm good at what I do. And that's not to say that I'm the best, but I'm very, very good at what I do. And if I can't negotiate for my money, how am I, how can I negotiate for your money? It's a good point. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you come and slash and burn and, and uh, compete on price, that client should only see that as, well, you're probably going to handle my you're deal gonna, that same way. You're going to get what you pay for. <laughs> Absolutely. I've never thought of that. That is really good. So um, you you differentiate by service, I would assume. Yep, 100%. And, and, and so when a client says, hey, listen, I got a cousin that does this. I also have somebody else from another Edina Realty, one yep. of the other big ones around here, says, how are you different? What do you, what, is, what is the thing you say to them in that meeting? Well, and, and that's the, the number one thing, right? Is like, so in my industry, spoiler alert, it starts with a phone call, right? Hey, you were clicking on stuff. You, I got your information. You put it in there. 
You know why I'm calling. So they'll, uh, they'll find you through a website yep. and then you get their information just like us. Yep. And then you follow up quickly. Yep. Yeah. Within 15 minutes. Uh, in fact, within five minutes. Um, so if you get a call, spoiler alert, if an agent's really good um, or on top of what they're doing, you are going to get a phone call within five minutes. Spoiler alert. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and that's, um, you know, we're sitting at the table and it's, you know, number one, it's, it's photography, it's marketing, it's, but it's also communication. It's relationship driven. Yeah. They found truthfully that people will most likely hire the person, you know, when, when you sit down across from the table from someone, you're usually going to have someone who's a low cost provider and you're going to have someone who's, you know, the not low cost provider, right? Yeah, you're going to have someone yeah, yeah. who's the absolute hammer. And that's kind of my value proposition. And that's my goal is like, I'm not, I'm on the offensive side where sure, you know, we could save you $5,000 on commission. Let's, why not try using marketing, um, videography, um, boosting Facebook posts, why not try and get maybe 10,000 more than asking instead of trying to save you on the back end? And so that's kind of the value proposition is I'm here to make you more money. I'm not worried about the defense. Let's go out and make you more money. Yeah. So you're, you're the earn it, create it, do that instead of save it, slash it, save the coupons, things like that well, sort of thing. Exactly. There's two, two mentalities about going out there, which is yeah, we can talk about my commission, but how about we talk about the price of your house? Right. Yeah. Right. And and truthfully, that's where we've built a relationship because yeah. I mean, truthfully, I get paid more money when you get paid more money. Of so now so. we're now we've created that blood bond There's of like mutual incentive. Yeah, <laughs> let's like work together on this partnership. And that's that's how it should be. And that's where the best transactions are, is where you're connected with somebody um, in that way. So I it, tell me if this is accurate or not, but yeah. when when I when I used you. Uh, mm -hmm. I've also done one page real estate deals myself, uh, without realtors. Sure. And that is a risky proposition because there is, I'm not a realtor. I don't know what's going on. And there's a uh, stuff called title work yeah. and all that other stuff that that's a whole other, it's not write down a price, sign it, hand over a check. Yeah. The, the, the reason why my experience was so good when you sold my house was because there is so much crap that happens between when you put this, the yard, the yard sign in to when you're actually sitting at the title company signing stuff. And yeah. it's my impression is that having gone through probably six real estate transactions, very, very few occurrences of just super clean, easy. Wow. Nothing to surprise happens. It's always, there's always stuff in between, right? Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, it's like if you were to walk into any house and do a quote on a kitchen, right? It's going to look the same, right? It's still going to have the same, but everything is uniquely different. And that's, the first thing that I, I tell people, and I just told it to some clients yesterday, every transaction is unique to the person. Mm -hmm. and, and and I kind of referenced that earlier. There's going to be turbulence. Like we are flying a plane. Always. There's going to be turbulence. All I can promise you is that I'm going to be there and we're going to figure it out as we go. And so that is wise. And it's probably not something that people take into account. It's easy to touch the four and a half percent, five percent, six percent thing. Yep. It's easy to to go on brand. It's easy to say, well, how many people are going to see my house? But that is when you get in, when you get into possibly when you get into selling the most expensive thing you own, I think people should probably mm. think about a partnership with somebody you trust a hell yeah. of a lot more than, well, listen, you're offered five percent, he's doing four percent. What do we, you know, it's like to me, that's that seems like a little bit extra money spent on a human you trust is well worth it. Selling the most expensive thing you're ever going to own. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. And there's, and, and just to, to reiterate, and again, you run into this in, in your business as well. You're going to resonate with the people, with your people, Absolutely. right? Yeah. When I'm sitting down with someone, I, it's really hard for me to overcome the, you know, commission objection as we'll call it, 
with someone who's dead set on that 5% commission, right? And that's fine. I, that's We weren't really going to connect and we weren't going to be a fit per se. And that's kind of when you get to a point as you're, again, as you're probably well aware, there comes a point in your business where you're lucky enough to have built the success. You're working on the laurels of your past business mm-hmm. to go, look, I, I respect your opinion. I respect where you're at, but this is where I'm at. These are my boundaries. So yeah, yeah. You know, setting expectations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's it's a great test. Um, It's a great test of that. And uh, yeah, we we run into the same thing here. It's good to talk to another professional. There's so many other, there's so many through lines through running a professional business like that and and setting those boundaries. And you always want to offer price and value, but obviously people who run a real business aren't going to always be the lowest price. And now we have to try to communicate effectively that value and you know, first core value of this company is trust. And it's for a reason, because yeah. if we don't have that, we're, we're not going to be able to compete on price. We have to compete on something else. Right. So, yeah. right. Absolutely. And that's, I think people that call you, that's what they're resonating with, right? Is they're, they're hiring you. They, they, they themselves see value in train employees in communication. Yeah. And that's, those are your people. In my company, we have a lot of mantras and things we say to make sure that we're <clears throat> thinking about problems right and one of the things that i tell my estimators they're going to go out and they're going to do somewhere between 50 and 30 estimates a week house calls to create a custom free estimate for somebody and they get super bummed out when their success ratio is usually 45 to 50 percent which means half of all the people they talk to are never going to use us yeah right and that can bum you out if one out of two people says no i don't like you or yeah. you're too expensive or your timeline doesn't meet so one of the things we tell each other here, and as far as I can tell, I can't prove or disprove this, but it is accurate as far as I can tell, is a third of the people were never going to use us in the first place. Bingo. I mean, just as how it works. Yep. A third are always going to use us. We, yeah. As long as we don't charge 10x what other people are doing, yep. they're just going to use us, either because of price, of value, whatever else. Mm-hmm. And a third of the people might be able to be swayed. So yep. when we talk about like a 50% success ratio, we're already capturing the 30 and we're actually capturing two thirds of that suede thing. So I would say that's actually kind of like, yes, it bums you out that half the people you talk to are saying beat it. Yeah. But it's like, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, and in that, you know, in that industry, the parallel for us is, you know, calling folks and those people not being interested in what we have to say, right? Yeah. Surprise, there's like a lot of you that are like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. I get that. Guess what? That is 98% of the people I talk to. Yeah. I'm just here to help get you. And and for your sales folks that are hitting that 50, uh, 50% success rate, that in our industry is a huge win. That is a huge, huge win. One in 10, you know, one in 10 leads will want to talk to you per se, but they might not even want to do anything. It's about one in 20 that actually have a success rate. So your employees. Also, that's a, wow. That's yeah. So out of 10 people that call you, maybe one will convert to a client. But one in 20 will actually do oh, something. Oh, so one in 10 will actually have a conversation. Hey, yeah. One in 10 or one in 20, you'll actually sell their house. Yep. Or, holy cow. Yep. Well, you got to have some thick armor then. So, <laughs> well, and, and that's your, if your salespeople were here right now, um, they would say, yeah, um, you know, it, it was a rough year. It, nobody likes getting the door slammed in the face. Nobody likes getting hung up on, but you learn more in those positions how to be successful. We learn more in our failures, right? And that's Absolutely. what we tell, as we tell these new agents that come in, anybody that's new, and again, your salespeople, when they train their people for their position, you're going to run it. You're not, you're not seeing the road of failure that I just came through, right? I, I lit thousands of dollars of, <laughs> of money on fire because I wasn't calling people within the first 15 minutes. That's it. I would just hang up the phone. I wouldn't ask any qualifying questions. They would just be mean and be like, oh, now I'm scared, so I'm not calling them again, right? Wow. Um, 
And so you have to tell these people, as your folks will, that we learn the most through our failures. And you're just seeing now the fruits of just a mile of dead bodies of you know, past mass. It just got Ooh. destroyed, <laughs> you yeah, know. That's, yeah, so, you guys, you realtors, like, we really like to beat up on realtors a lot. Well, too. I mean, that's, and, and rightfully so. <laughs> and, you know, probably likewise, too. But it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we think of you guys as the holy grail. And oftentimes, the, the biggest friction point, I think, when, when a realtor calls us is, they've already set expectations with the client mm. and they come to us almost like this. Hey, um, here's the color. We need all this painted. It has to start two days from now. The client's moving furniture in and that and we're just like, hold on, take a breath. Like, uh, like, who are you? Why are you here? I'm Nick. Hi, yeah, I'm Nick. Good to meet you. I'm a painter. <laughs> and so that's, that's the proverbial thing. So we've, we've created a business where I think that one of the biggest value props, you know, the service thing is also timeline. When I was a single owner operator, I would book up exteriors two years in advance. Mm. And so if you were to refer me to one of your beautiful clients to get that deck stain on the new house they did, that would be a very unsatisfying conversation saying, well, it's going to be 18 months from now. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not going to work for us. Right. Yep. Any, you can buy a car in two days. Yeah. We need a deck stain. <laughs> so we've built a company where you can get an estimate this week and we can start in a couple weeks. Yeah. I think that's a big value proposition, Huge. particularly because our holy grail is when a realtor calls and says, all the walls in a house, we got to have it done in two weeks. It's vacant. And yep. that's just like, it has us like, <laughs> let's go. Oh, oh, the we're like, ready. We can specialize in that. So how, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah. How yeah. painters interact with you. Sure. Um, of all the houses you're going to sell this year. Yep. Is there any, how, what's the need for painting that house in order to get it ready for sale? Or, mm -hmm. or is, or is it more just like, Market's good enough. Who cares? Just sell the name. I would say 70, and we talked about this on the bourbon bum. I would say 75% of the homes that I walk into um, need paint. Interior Do paint. they actually do something then? Ooh, now that is, so that, okay, now that is. the need versus the actual what gets done is a different thing. We talked about the 10, the 10 people that pick up, you know, one in 10 pick up the phone, the one in 20 that actually do something. Yeah. 100%. That is total. And, and just because I recommend someone, we are, you know, People really rely on my referrals, right? Like you're obviously in my Rolodex and people rely on me to provide that, right? But the first thing someone's going to do once they, you know, get someone of mine is they're also going to ask their aunts or their nieces or someone that they has recently. And so that's kind of the game and that's, that's kind of the, the competition. So you're, that. you're one, you're one person that can offer, but, and, and this is something that we, um, I did a, uh, a, a special Ask a Painter Live a couple of days ago about social media. And yeah. social media is now the new word of mouth. Yeah. Is, in, in, in the past, when we were growing up 30 years ago, you'd walk over to a neighbor or you'd talk to a family member. It's like, who used a painter? It's like, oh, yeah, Aunt Patty had her house painted <laughs> a year ago. She liked it. Call that guy. Yeah. No, and then we'd get the number that goes to a voicemail with no message. Right. <laughs> and, and now I believe word of mouth is still people will ask humans, yep. but then they go right to Facebook, new break happenings, Facebook page and say, yeah. who knows a good painter. And then 34 people comment within five minutes. Yep. yep. And then we try to make it as easy to find it. And, and yes. realtors too, uh, I'm amazed by, and this is how, I don't know how your world works because somebody will get on new break happenings and say, who knows a good realtor? And there's 160 <laughs> comments within five minutes. And you're just like, how the well, hell do you even personal? wild, man. Well, and truthfully, you guys, uh, again, not to get off on a tangent, but you guys truthfully in New Craig have a lot of good local agents. Like there are a lot of good, truthfully. 
and, and you're unique in that you have a small city with a lot of well there's there's a lot of operators here who have been doing this for 20 to 40 years yeah and, and it's like i mean all of all of the people our age who i went to school with half of their parents are realtors here and they've been operating for 30 years in this town oh my gosh so it's, it's entrenched oh my gosh i got three phone calls uh from other agents that were like love your house uh that's nick's house right like these are agents <laughs> that like, knew i knew you like, no exactly they literally yeah. knew you uh it was unbelievable but um uh, where are we going with that question? I'm sorry. But... Oh, uh, so, okay. So back to 162 comments of, of realtor referrals. And then we were talking about the, uh, okay. So 75% of the houses need paint. Yes. When, okay. Of the houses you sell, um, how many of them get some type of improvement or, or is it basically, yeah. How many, what percentage get an improvement in order to sell? I mean, I, 90, if not 98% of all houses wow. need a, need a something, right? Need a tweak, need a, a what touch. Are, what is the most thing they need? Ooh. Um, well, the, the, the number one question that we get, right, is what, what's going to make me the most money? I'm obviously not going to turn this into the Taj Mahal. I'm not yeah. getting, you know, marble countertops. Yeah. Like what, what do I need to do? So, you know, the, the first thing that we talk about dollar per dollar in terms of to get, to get a return. Um, it sounds funny. It sounds stupid, but a lot of the generation right now is the millennial generation yeah. and they don't want to fix stuff. They want to see new appliances. New kitchen appliances are super cheap relatively and they can dollar per dollar help match that. So yeah, our, our generation, we're, we're kind of elder millennials. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our, our generation and younger, um, my, my strategy was find a house because I am a tradesperson. Yeah. That I want something that's got the guts, but that I can put aesthetic stuff on. Yes. A lot of our generation does not necessarily have that. They they maybe want to do some aesthetic stuff, but they do not want to do electrical. They nope. do not want nope. to do plumbing. That is no nope. unsexy BS sort of like no. improvements. <laughs> like if we're going to spend money, we're going to spend it on an office remodel because yep. we're all working from home. Or right. we're going to put out that patio or yes. a fire pit, you know? So, <laughs> that, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I started my business 15 years ago and there's a magazine. I, I forget what it's called. I follow it online, but it's like, you know, remodeler or whatever. Yeah. And they actually list a price index for the average cost of building a deck and the average yeah. cost of a kitchen remodel. Yeah. And then what's really cool is they'll actually then list how much value it adds to a house. Mm -hmm. And in 2007, eight and nine, back when yeah. all the craziness in the housing was going on, it was the wildest thing. Cause this index would list, if you put a twelve thousand dollar roof on your house, you increase the value of eighteen thousand dollars. I was just like, "What in the hell?" And so literally, any dollar you spent returned one point eight percent or yeah. a one point eight x on it. And so at that point, people were like, "Well, hell, get a new driveway, put some plants in, put a deck out in this, and you could take a hundred eighty thousand dollar house. It's now three sixty, yeah. and you spend fifty. And yeah. you're just like, "Wow, this is wild." You look at that index now; it's not the same. Totally different. You, you put a you put a twenty four thousand dollar deck on; it'll add. $18,000 yep. for the value. And yep. that's, that's normal. Yes. Back then it was not that because the housing market was so hot. So, yeah. Um, I say that because there's a lot of times when, um, my two guys do all the estimates now, but yep. before when I did the estimates and somebody would say, we're getting ready to sell. I thought the most trustworthy thing to say, they're like, we're going to paint all the trim in the house. We're going to do all the ceilings. We're going to do all the cabinets. I'm like, Holy cow, we're staring down the barrel 36 grand. <laughs> right. This is about right. a four week project. We're going to have four crash people in here for like a month yeah. doing this to sell. And I was like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. We will do this. You're not going to get 36 grand out of this mm -hmm. if you paint all this. They're going to see it as this is what this house is. They're not going to see where it came from to this. They're going to say, I don't care what color the trim is. I see it now. And that house that was 
720 is still 720 in my eyes. We, yeah. we didn't increase the price 40 grand. So I thought that was always a trustworthy thing to say. Now, I would like them to do that, but I couldn't look a client in the eye and say, you're going to make money on this bait job. Well, and see, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm really glad you brought that up because that kind of ties into the partnership that we have, right? Because context is important, right? If you're selling a $180,000 townhouse, yeah, $36,000 of, you know, <laughs> enameling the entire main level with trim in the kitchen, it probably doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you're selling something that is dated, but it has beautiful land, it has a square footage. Um, North, North Oaks house, $1.7 million, 1992 wallpaper in every room. Oh, money well spent. Oh my God. Money well yes. spent. Yes. Yes. And, and that in context is important because, you know, when we sit down with our clients, we say, look, if you want to sell your house, here's the bare minimum you want to do. Right. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. usually, it's usually carpet and paint. hundred percent. Because again, and what people That's don't. 90% of what you see in a house. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, and, and it's, and it's for several reasons. When you walk in as a buyer, again, we're speaking to a certain person. It's yes, it's probably the millennials. It's uh, the, the carpet feels, smells, yeah. uh, and looks nice, right? Yeah. You're, you're appealing to the senses. And that's the same with paint. That's the exact same with paint. It looks good. It smells good. And in some cases, it feels good. And a color update, too. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, russet red dining rooms still out yep. there. And sage green kitchens that, yep. you know, in the right context is good. But there's certain things that millennials associated with datedness and yes. wallpaper can even do that too. Yep. And, and they, even if it's great wallpaper designer handmade in England right. run by an expert, they'll just say, I'll, eventually I'm going to take that off. And that's pain. That's yep. all I know is that's a pain. Oh, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that, and again, and I, when we sit down with sellers, it's the low, medium, high options, right? And every good agent will say, look, I am just here to execute the play that you call. I'm the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. You call the plays. Which one you want to run? If you want to put thirty six thousand dollars in to try and set a record for the neighborhood, we can do that. Oh, yes. And we can do that. You know, that, yeah. we can let, let's go for it, right? And that's and that comes back to setting expectations, right? If you want to try and set a record for the neighborhood, great. Yes, please enamel everything that is that's going to be needed. That's expected in a house. It's now pergola, fire pit, add a garage out back. You know, <laughs> yeah, just hot tub. Do it. Pool. Let's do it. Yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> right. Number <It's>... one. <laughs> We're number one. <laughs> But it's also, you know, like, hey, we're going to have some days on market, right? We're going to be sitting here for a while. It's, you know, it, it's, again, setting those expectations and communicating, okay, low, medium, high, which option you want to do? Yeah. My grandfather's selling his house, and I just had this conversation with him, you know, and doesn't want to do a whole lot. But, you know, I said, okay, well, based on the comps that I can see, again, he lives in Ohio, so I don't have an MLS, but I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, by the way, your biggest fan, I think. So he's probably going to be watching this here if he's not watching so. already. So. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, going back to your question, uh, it really depends on the context of the situation. And the, the, there's a bunch of, so there's the tangible thing. It's the, your commission price. It's the, we pay even $4,000 to refresh walls in a house. Yep. Can we get four grand now? There's the intangibles of this house may sell three months sooner. And, mm -hmm. and what's the what's the opportunity cost of that for yeah. you? Are you moving out of state? You need a clean transaction, or is this a lake home that you're not living in that you can? Who cares? Leave it on the market for two. I mean, so there's a whole bunch of these intangibles that can go into that. And I would assume, from a from an amateur looking in, to me the market would kind of dictate how much you have to do in, in a tight housing market. I feel like you got to do a lot to make your house stand out. Absolutely. In in the last couple of years, my impression is that it's been a great housing market for yes. sellers and yes. who cares? We got old crappy wallpaper. Guess what? 
Find another house on the market. <laughs> Go find yourself another one because there isn't one. So take the wallpaper. You know, that's been my impression. Is that totally. accurate? That is very accurate. Um, a friend of mine does some really funny reels. And he did a reel of seller. It was called Sellers in 2021. And he was sitting down. He was the agent. And then he would. Uh, he was then the other character. He was the seller. And so you know he did a great job. Oh, yeah. costume chains out. But it was just fantastic because he's like, all right, so um, – think your house is worth this and then the the seller would interrupt and be like hey um we we don't want to clean our house and be like oh okay yeah i think we can still get this price yeah and we're also uh not going to stop smoking the house oh, oh okay okay sure yeah we can still like it just became and this also, industry we joke have, we have no availability for you to walk people through it <laughs> right yeah. right you're gonna we're gonna still be in the house yeah. and we want you to just sell it you just work around us we don't care it's yeah. gonna sell so and, and the housing market will dictate that in a different mm-hmm. housing market you'd be like oh no, no, no. that's not how this works like uh you you are gonna have a problem selling this house and you need to do a bunch of stuff so, yeah. yeah well right now is it a good time to be a realtor is the housing market favorable to you or how, how do we think about that i feel like your life is way more dictated by macroeconomics interest rates, things like that than ours. How do you think about where we are right now? Oh boy, that is a multifaceted question, but the, oh, please just the long and short- Give me a simple, <laughs> you got one sentence, four words. Just say it, come on. It is a good time to buy or sell, believe it or not. It is, that is not. Right, it that's is, an economist answer. Well, it depends. It, <laughs> right, right. Well, it's like, a good politician. To to you realize you're not a politician. Or to be today. a realtor or not to be a realtor. It's always fine. Everything's good. It's, it is a super, super big challenge to help sell houses right now. This really? is the only time in history that a consumer has a better interest rate. 99.9% of the consumer has a better interest rate than the market. So think about that. Okay, so hold on. That doesn't make sense to me. You you said it's hard to sell a house right now. My, yes. So it, it is not exactly difficult to sell a house right now because we still have an inventory shortage. That's what I was saying. It doesn't feel like there's a glut of houses on the market. So to me, it'd be like, if you want to sell your house, giddy up. It is a good time to sell your house. Now, that being said, anything that is slightly overpriced is going to sit. So we as agents have a critical job right now to make sure that the pricing is right on. Why is that? Interest rates. People have been shopping for houses. Those, the consumers that are out right now are super cautious. They've been sitting on the sidelines for the last three years because they yeah. have not liked all the BS that they saw the last two years. Oh, well, guess they what? They saw the price of houses just explode. Rocket. And we're not going to buy a house when we can't get an inspection, when we have to bring an appraisal guarantee, when we have to oh. do all these extra things. Well, so, so now, yeah, basically it's like, hey, we're really interested in this house. It's like, yeah, 82 other people are. And guess what? You don't have time to do your inspection. You're not yep. going to ask for anything. You either buy this house or not move on. Yep. And, and people like that will be like, whoa, that doesn't feel right for me. Exactly. Oh, and okay. they and so they wisely stood on the sidelines to say, great, all you yeah. maniacs go nuts on Black Friday. We'll see you the next day. <laughs> yeah, right? We're going to make exactly. our purchase the next day. Well, today is when that's happening. So what? guess what? You can get your inspection back. We've even like kind of been able to get some closing costs. But um, we also have interest rates that are super high. So we're making calculated financial risk oh, when we're purchasing yeah. and because so you, you're not you're not ripping that 2.8 percent interest rate anymore exactly now. What, what are people paying now it's roughly seven six? It, it's it's sub seven it is sub, sub seven, seven okay so um okay so way higher than yep. it has been but in i'm always reminded down at the vfw by my local farmers that <laughs> george Tupi bought a farm at 28 percent interest or 18 mm-hmm. percent interest in the 80s mm-hmm. so it's like you know, they, they always remind me that, oh, you think seven is bad? Like five is considered free money, right? It's, like to me, it's like, 
And when you go down to 2.9, it's just like tears running down your face yeah. laughing. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? You know? And right. so speaking of that, like there's a whole pile of people are that are sitting on 2.9% mortgages. Yep. They ain't going to leave. And that's not going to help the housing inventory, right? Like 100%. Remember, if you go from that to 7%, you amortize that over a 30-year mortgage. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars extra for the same thing. So I think, do you think there's going to be some people who are locked in a unrequited marriage with their house only because they're 2.9% interest rate. Like they're thinking about moving, oh, but I man. can't possibly leave. It's um, there are some folks like that. There are some folks that are married to their interest rate. And here's, I mean, truthfully, there's going to be people who will always make excuses to not buy a house. Guess what? There's risk in buying houses. And if you are adverse oh, to risk, on, hold on, let me, let me hold on. You mean when you buy the yeah, most is, expensive? You thing can tell. You, ever? you can tell. Like I'm like I'm ready. I'm ready now. I'm ready for the microphone. Yeah. There are people in this world that will make excuses to avoid all risk at all costs. Right now, yeah. context is important. Like I understand. You know what's best for you. But there's also people in this world. And again, Minnesotans. I hate to paint with broad brush, but we really don't like risk. We are really risk averse people. And I had to tell, I, I have to tell folks, context is important. Context is so important. Yeah. We came out of market that you, you were literally shoveling all this, you know, stim money, all this money that you have, because yes, we did have a lot of money in this economy. We had bulldozers of money that we were just bringing to these closings to try and win a house, right? Just tons and tons to, of yeah. money. Not only with your down payment, not only with appraisal guarantees. If an appraisal comes in low, that you've got to come in with tens oh of thousands of dollars to make your the closing difference. costs, oh, right? Geez. So just literally bulldozers full of money. And like, yes, that was a really risky time to buy a house. And that probably was a tough time to buy a house. Riskier. Yes. But it's not 18% interest. It's not 18% interest. <laughs> when I bought my first house, it was 2008. The, the, the okay, housing we're, market. We're going to share some 2008 yeah, stories because we both yes, did. I want to yes. hear yours. Okay. So, and, and I just had this conversation with a, a lead on the phone, a nice young gal. And I said, context is important. When I bought my house, because, you know, all the interest rates and all the this, that, and the, all the other thing. I bought my house in 2008 and it was such a bad time to buy a house. I got a $10,000 check from the government because they're like, you are a first-time homeowner. It's so risky. Here's ten thousand dollars to kind of put a band-aid on that. Houses, yeah. And I get I get a picture with the check, and I might as well just lit it on fire. It was gone. I went all yeah, through its exactly. landscaping. Um, but that's how bad it was to buy a house yeah. in that. I sold that house uh, two years later. I put a deck on it. I finished the basement, and we netted thirty thousand dollars. But we had to take the risk. I had I to take the risk. So you, yeah. So you you. Oh yeah, so you actually profited thirty grand from your improvements like that because yep. the market did some things after that. Yep. Yeah, nice. And guess what? If we're looking at the trend of things, it's yeah. going to continually yeah. do this. Also, what I do understand is I'll share my two thousand and eight. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yours is better than mine. So I had this discussion with my wife the other day when we were out for a walk in our country road out there mm -hmm. in St. Benedict, which is like we we have twenty acres on that hobby farm out there. It's such a beautiful, magical place. And I know someday my kids or grandkids are going to be like, why didn't you buy more land out here? Like, you only bought this thing for X? It's like, why didn't you buy more? It's like, you don't understand. You don't, you don't know. I, I literally was in the couch at the, at the closing day. Like, please let three nickels fall out of this cushion. You know, I was like, oh my God. It's, just, it's like, that's all I could do. That took everything I had. I was working evenings and weekends. I was like, you know, and so the one, I say that because Anything over five years, 10 years, 15 years, it will appreciate. Yep. And we will always look back. And right now, houses are expensive. Yep. 10 years from now, you'll say, 
why didn't you buy the one next to it too? Yes. That's just how it goes. It's just how it goes. There is, I can't imagine a time in the future, and this is just dumb, dumb, not an economist, not a real estate expert. I can't imagine a time where houses drop 40% yep. in price. It's just, it's not going to happen. There's going to be this, there's going to be this, oh, but it's going to be doing this as it goes, yes. as it goes up. Yes. Is it, it is that old finite resource thing, yep. which is, you know, uh, they can build more houses, but there's only so much land and things like that. So. Yes, yes, it's it, it's just this simple yeah, yeah. E economy. And now, if if you are selling a house every every 14 months, now you run the <laughs> risk of rate you're, returns. you're getting caught on this, but also the the churn of a transaction cost because your your services cost money. A title company, the insurance, the everything else costs money. So yes, yep. if you have to move every 14 months. Great. You should probably just rent a big old house and move on with your life. But because you're probably going to catch some highs and some lows. Yep. But like us, when we bought our house uh, 15 years, we lived there for 15 years. Um, we didn't care what we paid for it because it was great for us. And yep. we bought at the height of the market. Yep. And now what I like to tell that story because the height of the market was we bought a house for 185 grand and that was vastly <laughs> overpriced. We got raked over the coals. We're like, oh, I can't believe we're paying this for this. I mean, years later, you know what we sold it for. And that's just like, oh, you can't find a house on the market sub 200 no, anywhere now. No. Anywhere unless, I mean, you can barely find lots yeah. uh, for that. So Literally. it's like, it's, it's with enough time, things change. I also bought that house at a variable rate. Oh mortgage. my gosh. This is, this is the time oh. where literally, and, and I, I, I love to have lived through this time because it is like, like my friend George at the VFW said, he bought a farm, you know, a thousand acres on 18%, which is harrowing now to think of, yeah. you know, especially farm. I am going to tell my kids and grandkids that, uh, but I'm also variable rate and I didn't have a job. <laughs> I, this is the best part. So this, this bank went out of business because they got into a bunch Spoiler of Spoiler alert. That's so shocking. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> this is okay. This is how my income was verified. I was in college. Yep. Right. And I was tutoring at the college for $11 an hour cash from yep. the college. Uh, I was working for my dad for cash. I was working down at the polka ballroom for cash, <laughs> bartending, oh and I would make $21 of tips. Yep. I went to my local bank and I was like, wow, uh, I'm reading in the newspaper. They're basically giving houses away. They're like, yeah, you, would you like one? And Actually, I was we like, are. I was like, yes, I would. <laughs> How does this work? And Here, breathe like, on this mirror. And they're, yeah, they're, they're you no, know, and, and they didn't even check for a pulse. What they did was like, if we in here, we're gonna slide a post-it across this table to you, and we're gonna give you a pen. I'm gonna look away, and what you're gonna do is write down your income for the year. And I was like, listen, I'm I'm in college, so I'm not an expert at this. I must be making eighty-seven thousand dollars a year. I mean, I've added it up, but you know what yeah. I mean. It's like, all right, I, so far I can eat, and I have a car, and I have beer money on the weekend, and like. So I'm like, yeah, it's like 87,000 and slid that note across there. They're like, how many houses would you like? You're approved for $700,000. I'm like, oh, listen, I get you. I get you. I want a farm. But as a consumer, I don't feel like a farm is right now. You know, like <laughs> For me, but yeah, yeah. when you look at the payment on a $700,000 farm, you're just like, well, I, I am in college and I yeah. technically have a job. So, and they gave me a house and it was a variable rate mortgage. Oh and gosh. a lot of people lost their ass. A lot of people. Did, did not do well because unemployment was super high. They lost their job. They sat in a house that had a very low payment and they never paid attention to that little asterisk saying, somewhere between one and five years, we're gonna reset this and your life is gonna change. And meanwhile, they're like, hey, I got a free house. I'm here, I got unemployment. They can't take my house. Like, yes, they can. And, and everybody <laughs> my house. on, yeah. So <laughs> the good thing is, is that I was a knowledgeable enough consumer where uh, I was in college and through 
cash jobs, I was able to make a mortgage payment through college oh, and just through that sort of thing. And that world just doesn't exist anymore. No. That, that world is gone. It's illegal. Yeah. And, yes. and, and, well, so and maybe rightfully so. Technically, <laughs> you can still find those, right? Those, those products are out there. But boy, the government made sure that they weren't like they were before. Oh. So um, the interesting thing is we, we knew that we were going to be in there in the long play. And I remember that conversation with my banker saying, your interest rate is going to change. And being a accounting, I had two uh, sub majors in accounting. I was like, well, just give me an idea what that what that payment's going to be after yeah. that. And they're like, well, I mean, it could double. And I was what? like, noted. <laughs> so, and I said, well, how do we stop that from doubling? And they said, well, you're going to need to refinance within five years. I'm like, okay, whatever that means, I'm going to do that in five years. And in three years, we refinance. Oh. And the rates went down and we got a ripping rate and we got a 30 year standard mortgage then. So for me, for the right person, that helped me. I got a house. They never should have gave me a house. I love that house. You saw that house. We poured our lives into it. Yep. I created a family. I created a business there. And we loved every second of time in that house. I never would have had that house if we wouldn't have. So I am grateful for that thing. But I was a knowledgeable consumer. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and and I I say this all the time, half jokingly, but like I am obedient to a fault. It has gotten me so far in life. Just by listening to what professionals tell me what to do, it's gotten me so far in life. So when I hear that story, I was like, yes, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a whole nother world and, and thank you, you caught it in a right time. You're a knowledgeable consumer. You did the things to increase enjoyment of life, to increase value and you reap the rewards of it. We knew that there was a bunch of things we're going to do to that house where we're not going to reap the rewards. And we know that if we're going to stay here for 10 or 15 years, I'm not going to get a direct return on this deck that I put on. Yeah. It's going to be the, that the increase in value of the property over that long a yes. time is going to be way more than any bit of paint job that I could do to the house. And I did put wallpaper in that house too. <laughs> but what I liked is <clears throat> actively I saw buying the house. We bought it at the height of the market. Yep. We refinanced it. And then we saw that house value dip way below what we paid. So sure. again, if, if I would have lost my job, it would have been a problem if all those other things, but we just said, yeah, we're not leaving. So who cares what that is? You know, our, like lives, stock market. our <laughs> lives aren't dictated by our portfolio and where it is every yep. day. And then eventually we wrote this, we wrote this, we wrote this 15 years later, we sold it for a lot of money. Right. And, and it was great. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it gave us a down payment for a farm then. So yeah, it's just people love to play. Well, is it 7.6% or 7.2%? You're like, well, listen, if you're going to stay here for more than three years, you're talking about things that aren't really going to matter. Right. Know? Right. And, and there's some, there's some foresight in that, right? Like yeah. you guys decide, you guys had committed to hey, we're going to be in this house more than five years. Right. And that's an important decision. And that kind of goes into like, again, sometimes in my industry, I have to kind of help see the vision. I have to align with oh, what their yeah. vision is. Right. Yeah. Like somebody doesn't like, I know some friends that bought a townhouse. They didn't want to be in a townhouse for more than three years. Yeah. Um, so they're, and, they're already planning for, listen, we're not going to dump 36 grand and do it because yeah. this is a temporary housing. Yep. We want to build a little equity if we can and then move. Yep. And what sort of little things can I do? And so there, there's definitely some foresight. I will say if you're buying a house in this day and age, yes, it is it is a little bit more challenging to get in the game. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, that's oh, fine. Just get in the game. Just get that truck full of money and you'll make it happen. But if you can have some foresight, realize that you're going to be in this house three to five years, yeah. right? Great. Do that. Yeah. Do that. And you're going to be in a great spot. And if I'm doing my job and I do it well, you may or may not call me again for round two. Which is interesting because I just had a thought as you were saying that, which is I am your worst client ever because <laughs> I'm only going to own two houses in my life. 
Like literally, I, you you had your only one chance to sell honest, a house, and that was it. Honestly, that was it. I, I'm never going to be a repeat client. <laughs> now we. Oh no, ne- I shouldn't say that. There might be a cabin in the future, but that's it. You're never going to. It's not going to be every eight years. I'm calling that. I'm your worst client. And, that, and you know what? I get. I, I will take that. I will take that. I found my farm and I ain't leaving. So that's <laughs> yeah, it. Man. You're, you're stuck there. The homestead is planted, but. And again, sometimes those are those are great clients too. Those people, it's typically those people that are on their last leg, right? right. And it's like I'm going to try and make this. I can't promise anything, but I'm going to try and make this as easy as possible. So uh, I'm going to ask the question that everybody's going to want to know, which is uh, how can painters better serve realtors? How can we be that magic weapon for you guys, where every single house you go in on, you somehow offer our services, and we somehow help your clients with that? What what can we do to be a great weapon for you guys. Oh man, it really comes down to trust. And that's the word that we used before. Yeah. So if I call you and say, Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up with my sellers. I love them to death, they're friends of mine. I really need you to help them. Um, they're gonna come in and say, these are the pain points. This is what we're looking for. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning on you and your expertise to say, this is what you want, right? Yeah. Whether it's low, medium, high, they trust me and therefore they trust you. You're an yeah. extension of my business. Yeah. So treat them as if now you are also don't get you the are there to try to upsell everything. Uh, don't don't overpromise and underperform just like when you say, "Hey, listen, based on my expertise, we got four bathrooms, they all got wallpaper in them." Listen, the rest of this house, yes, it's got golden oak and it's got some tan walls. It'd be great if it was white trim and gray walls, but honestly, that we're not going to get a return. Focus on the bathrooms. A trustworthy painter would come in and say, Matt asked me to look at these four bathrooms. An untrustworthy painter would be like, Matt's full of S. Yeah. We need to redo this entire house. I don't know what he's talking about. That would not be good service for you and your clients. The worst thing that a painter could do is just come in there and not listen to the client. Oh, yeah. Treat them, treat them as if they're family. Because my friends are, unfortunately for you guys, you are family. And so you have to treat then this person that you just are meeting for the first time as if they're family. Yeah. Right? And like, this is what, and this is the ask. Just as if, Again, you were to say, Matt, I got some friends who are looking to sell. I suddenly have to treat them as if they are friends. Yeah. And that is, and that's a hefty, that's a hefty burden sometimes, that's right? Great. Because sometimes you have to give them the medicine they don't want to take. Yeah. Man, you're yeah. going to want to do this. If, this. if this is your goal, yeah. this is what you're going to have to do, unfortunately, right? And it doesn't matter if you deliver that news bad. So long as you've built that trust and you're working in their best interest, that's the most important part. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um... What else do we need to know about realtors' interactions with other trades, with painters, and this and that? Is there is there things that realtors know and think and do that painters don't know? Is there anything well, like that? I'll put it back on you. Um, oftentimes, we as we have people that we've used and we trusted, right? If there's a project to be done, let's just call it a kitchen, because again, I, I feel like I'm you know I'm envisioning a kitchen right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, oftentimes I'm going to say, well, here's my counter guy, here's my cabinet guy, and you know, here's my painter. You guys go. Um, sometimes we need your recommendation. Oh, you work with yeah. all kinds of people, Trusted and you advisors, have yeah. that right, exactly, and you have that sort of synergy where you work with these people. Whereas I'm like, okay, here's my counter guy. You've never met him before, and suddenly he's going to try doing things that just either dampen everything for everyone or yeah. you know sometimes we need your guys's expertise and we'll lean on your kind of yeah i've worked with this person and i know they do a good job because i'm literally right next to them as they're installing the countertops yeah exactly. you know so and, and, and as you know home projects have tons of friction and when you when time. you take a home project that involves multiple trade lanes <laughs> and then the sale a real estate sale all of a sudden that client you want to talk about the turbulence you were talking about. That is the most turbulence. You're not only going through selling the most expensive thing you own, but a home project as well, which 
typically, I mean, the divorce rate tends to go up with the, with the and, amount of home projects. And then you've just poisoned the well, right? <laughs> then you've just poisoned that's the well. That's a horrible even, experience. Right? And, and even though the countertop guy is an incredible person, the, the so-and-so person is incredible, the cabinet person, I've just literally poisoned everybody and myself. The entire thing is now poisoned because... You told me I needed to do my kitchen, and you got these guys in here, and all of a sudden, they're not showing up on time, the this and that, yep. the service is bad. Yep. Yeah. So, man, I hear you. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you today for watching. Uh, Matt is awesome to do this. He drove down to my yeah, shop, hanging out here. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, it's it's likely not the last time you're going to see him, and I'm hoping that I can talk him into drinking alcohol uh, online with videos for him for the bourbon bump again too. So that'll be fun. So, <laughs> Next one's going to be the shop. For we sure. do it. We, 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 we need to do, do it here. Yeah. So seriously, I'll, I'll have a mystery milk jug full of alcohol <laughs> here as we do, and we're not going to have the fancy Japanese whiskey. It's paint thinner. It's not alcohol. Yeah, it's like it's a little. Some people call it turpentine, but we call it. Painter's juice. So, all right. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching this. Uh, I have a link to Matt uh, and more information about him in the show notes here. And obviously, if uh, if you have any deep, uh, deep questions about working with realtors and things like that, he's one of the most thoughtful dudes that you could ever talk to. So uh, thank you for this, everybody. Kindest thing you can do for this show is to obviously share it. So share it. Get it out there. I appreciate you guys watching. We are now on the summer schedule of Ask a Painter where I'm doing it Friday so I can actually enjoy some Saturdays with my families. So I know that everybody's working, but thank you guys for watching. Thank you for sharing. And we will see you next week. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.